Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. All right. Well, good morning again. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. Wow. Okay. Uh, you can do, do me a favor. Welcome everybody watching online this morning. Hello, internet. Hi, Facebook, YouTube, everybody on there. Um, we're glad you guys are here. Um, you, you, by the way, y'all are missing out. I know the roads are safe, but you know, these people in here, come on, give it up for you guys. Y'all are the real people. Um, well, this morning, what I want to do, I, I would love to know who we've got in the, in the building today. Um, and so what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say something. I'm going to say a word here in just a second. And if you know what I'm talking about, I want you to raise your hand. This goes for everybody watching online, too, like, like in the comments or whatever. Just let us know uh, if you know what I'm talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say Wordle? Come on, if you raise your hand, you know what I'm talking about, Wordle, all right? Some of you are a little, little lost. Um, this is Wordle, okay? It's taken the internet by storm over the last uh, few weeks, about the last month or so. It is a product of the pandemic. Um, it was created by a programmer, I believe. He is located in Europe, I think Great Britain, and loved word games. And so he, he created this, this game on a website and the Wordle, if you don't know what it is, it's, it's a simple game. Basically, you have six opportunities to figure out what the word of the day is. Uh, you have no clues to start out with. You just have six blanks. It's a five-letter word. And you've got to figure it out. So you just start by putting in a random word to get you started. And how it helps you out along the way is if you have the right letter but in the wrong place, it highlights that letter yellow. And if you have the right letter in the right place, it highlights it green. And that gives you six opportunities, putting in random words, to figure it out. Um, it, it took over the internet. If you're on Twitter, you've just been seeing like green, orange, and, and black boxes on your Twitter feed. People are texting it. Um, literally, I've got a friend of mine. Every day, we text each other back and forth what, what we did that day on Wordle. Uh, Lauren and I, my wife, when we see each other, when she comes home from work, we're like, did you Wordle today? I'm like, yeah, Wordle today. Um, and so it just kind of has taken, taken over. Um, in fact, it, it became so popular, the New York Times just purchased it for like millions of dollars. Like they just said, you know what, we see investment, we want to invest in it. And so Wordle has kind of taken over the world. If you haven't played it, it's a lot of fun. The, the draw is that there's only one word a day. Like once you do it, you got to wait a whole 24 hours before you can get the next word or stay up till midnight. But I know some of these kids are going to stay up till midnight. We're already up past midnight, but I'm getting older and bedtime's like at 9.45 for me now. But the reason I bring that up is because playing Wordle over the last couple of weeks, of course, the, the, the youth pastor communicator in me is, is playing and going, how? There's got to be an application to, a spiritual application to this as well, right? And so I'm playing, I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it's, this game is a lot like we are. We go from something that seems like a blank slate. There's a problem that needs to be solved and we've got to get from point A to point B to figure it out. And all of us, our journeys look different. Like for some people, it feels like they're figuring it out right away. And for some people, it's taking forever to come up with the right word. 
For some people, it seems like they are always knocking it out of the park. Everything's going great. And for some people, it feels like we're just struggling just to try to come up with something. Everybody's path to the right word looks different. Everybody's path in our lives looks different as well. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to go to John chapter 6. And there's a story in, in Scripture in the New Testament. This story is actually found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's a very popular passage of Scripture. Most of you in this room probably have heard this taught in Sunday school or kid life or, uh, you know, growing up or in a sermon series or on a Sunday morning just like this. If you have not heard this, that's okay. Don't feel like you're missing out on, on, on something. There's some secret. It's not a secret. Go read it for yourself. John chapter 6. And it's an incredible, incredible text. And it's about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And... I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's 14 verses. For time's sake, I'm just not going to read through it all. But I kind of want to give you guys the cliff note version, kind of paint a picture of what this looks like this morning, just in case you don't know or to refamiliarize ourselves with this story. Jesus is on this incredible teaching tour. He's doing a lot of healing as well. One version says, one, one, one of the gospels says, he's doing a lot in the area of diseases. So he's like healing a lot of people who have leprosy or uh, cripples. Uh, mute, blind, the list goes on. He's doing a big work in people's lives. And because of all this, he's drawing a crowd. He's going from town to town, home to home, neighborhood to neighborhood, drawing people as he's going. They're like, that was awesome. I'm going to follow him to the next place. So he's drawing people with him as he's going. And then on top of that, one version, the, the one right here in John says that it's also a Jewish Passover festival was near. And so Passover being near compounded to the amount of people that were in the area. People from all over were starting to make their way for the Passover festival. And so to, to kind of paint a picture of what this looks like, it's if like John Mayer came to Searcy in the middle of spring sing, okay? Like just lots and lots of people in the area. And so Jesus is actually trying to get away and put some distance between the people and himself. He has been going nonstop and he's tired, so he's trying to find a place that he can rest, but the people keep following him. So he finds himself up on a mountainside, and he said, you know what, we're, we're just going to minister to these people anyway. So he starts preaching, starts teaching them, doing miracles, healing people. And he looks over at one point to one of his disciples and says, hey, do, do we have anything to feed these people? Like, do we have, can we give them some bread or something? And Philip, the disciple he's talking to in this moment, says, Jesus, it would take half a year's wages just to buy enough bread for every person in this group just to have a bite. Because there is 5,000 men here, but most historians, theologians believe that they just counted the men. So that doesn't include any wives or sisters or moms, aunts, grandma. It doesn't count kids. So there could be triple that amount, 15,000 plus people here trying to hear what Jesus is saying. The first thing that I think of is these people would rather hear Jesus than go get Chick-fil-A. That is saying something, okay? They would rather sit around all day and just listen to Jesus than go home and get some food, go ask for a handout, go to the supermarket. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say that bad. Some of y'all can't make it past this message. You're already thinking about lunch right now and where you're going to go. So these people are hanging on every word that Jesus has to say. And he's, Jesus asked Philip, do we have anything? And Philip's like, we, we don't have the resource to take care of these people. We don't have the money. We don't have, even if we did have the money, I don't think there's enough bread in this town to feed them. And so 
one of the other disciples named Andrew overhears this and he goes, hey, Jesus, I don't know if this helps or not. There's a boy here with a small lunch. He's got like five loaves of barley bread and he's got a couple of small fish. Now, I looked into this and the barley bread that they're talking about was the, uh, a poor person's bread. What you really wanted to buy, the king's Hawaiian roll was like wheat bread for them, okay? What, what we're talking about here with the, the barley loaves is kind of the scrap that you may even feed to animals. Like this is great value wheat bread that's been sitting on the shelf a little too long. Like this is that kind of bread. The, the two small fish, some people believe that these were, may have been dried fish. So we're talking like sardines or fish jerky. I mean, this is, these are, this is not an appetizing meal that everybody is wanting. But it's something that this poor small child had in his, his pack for his lunch. So Andrew goes, I don't know if this is any use or not for you, but we've got this. And Jesus says, I can, I can work with that. He takes the, the meal, holds it in his hands. The Bible says that he thanked God, thanked the Father for it, prayed, and then started breaking off pieces, handing to the disciples so they could distribute to the people in the crowd. Kind of like a take one down, pass it around kind of situation. It may not be COVID friendly at the time, but it's kind of what they did. Like, I'm going to take this and hand this to you. The Bible says that all of them, the thousands of people there, were all got as much as they wanted. They were full. And they had 12 full, large basketfuls left over. And then the verse I do want to read out of all of this is John 6, verse 14. This is what it said. After all that had taken place, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. This morning, what I want to do for the next few moments that I have left is I want to take some time and talk about our path to purpose. Our path to purpose, just like a silly word game I talked about at the beginning of this, just like the story in John where it talks about we, we have found ourselves in a situation that we don't know how to get from point A to point B. This story, when I read it, gives us a clear path to purpose. And I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what your situation looks like. But for a lot of us, we have all found ourselves at one point or another, or we will find ourselves at one point or another, where we need to get from where we are to what our purpose is. Most of us have probably asked the question before, what, what, what is my purpose? Like, why am I on this planet? What's the goal here? What, what's the whole objective to humanity being on this planet? And I'm not saying I'm going to figure it out and solve it for you this morning. But hopefully we can have some steps to get us on the right track. So if you're a note taker, i got four things for you this morning. Four steps on our path to purpose. The first one is this. Identify the problem, then move on. Identify the problem, and then move on. Have you ever noticed that people, especially in our world today, are really good at talking about the problems? <laughs> like if you're on social media at all, people are really good at saying what the problem is. If you go onto a Facebook comment thread, ooh, that is one of the layers to hell, I believe. I mean, that's in there somewhere. Like, it is, it is bad. A YouTube comment section, a Twitter thread, Instagram comment, you, it doesn't matter. Any social media platform, people are really good at telling you what the problem is. But people are not very good at giving you any good answers to the problem. They're not good with coming up with any solutions. But people are really good about telling you what they think the problem is. It doesn't matter what the topic is, whether it's a, a virus or politics or sports. Sorry, my Auburn friend over here. It doesn't matter, okay? 
we are really quick to tell what the problem is. But a lot of us know what the problem is, and then we just stop and stay there. We have to identify the problem and then move on. Philip, in this story, he identified the problem. Jesus said, do we have anything that we can feed these people? And Philip is like a comment section on Facebook. We don't have the money. We, we, it would take half a year to raise enough money to give everybody one piece of bread. We don't have the money. He identified what the problem was. The truth is there will always be problems in our life. Chances are most of us in this room, I'm going to say all of us in this room, have dealt with problems. The year is, is pretty new. We're just in the beginning of February, but I bet everything I have, you've already encountered problems in 2022. And if you haven't encountered problems recently, you will. There will be problems that will come in your life. And it's different for everybody. Maybe your problems come in relationships. Maybe you, you've split up with somebody or you're having a hard time finding somebody. Maybe your problems come in the finances. It's been a tough time for you and finances are starting. Maybe you've lost somebody in your life. Maybe it's because of death or whatever the circumstances, problems happen. We cannot stop problems from happening in our life. John 16, says this, in this world, you will have trouble. And that's where a lot of people seem to stop. We read that verse and go, mm, yeah, we're going to have trouble. It's just going to be, this is just, this is, this is my burden to bear. You ever ask somebody, how's it going? Well, it, when, as soon as they say, well, you just want to walk away, right? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on. We stop at the trouble part. But if we read further, we would see, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying there will be troubles, but I will overcome the world. Former President John Adams said this way, every problem is an opportunity in disguise. Every problem you have, every single, it does not matter what problem you're facing. It doesn't matter what circumstance comes your way. Every problem is an opportunity. You just have to find it. Do you realize that the problem that you have today is not the end of something? The problem you have today could be the beginning of your next miracle. Do not, we cannot let our problems stop us. It needs to be a starting line and a starting point for us. In Genesis 11, there's a story. It's one of my favorite stories, teaching stories, rather, in, in the Old Testament. I heard this from a, a pastor I really respect, Chris Hodges. He's a friend of our church, and Church of the Highlands in Alabama. And he, I heard him speak at a conference one time, and he, he talked on this story from a, a different angle I had never really connected before, and it's changed me ever since. Genesis 11 talks about a man named Terah. He's actually the father of Abraham. Father Abraham, who had many sons. You know that guy? And it's the father of Father Abraham, Terah. And Terah had a son, uh, Abraham's brother, Haran. Haran, at some point in the story, Haran dies. And of course, like any child that you would lose as a parent, it wrecked him. Really hard moment for the family, Tough circumstance. Well, Terah grabs the family. They are actually on their way to a place called Canaan, which if that sounds familiar, it's because that is the promised land. And Terah is taking his family to Canaan. And at some point along the journey, they come to a place called Haran. On the journey, traveling, they get to a place called Haran. And the Bible says that Terah 
and his family stopped in Haran, and Terah never left. He got to a place called Haran. You imagine reminding himself of his son. The Bible says that Terah died there. And this is an example of what so many of us do with problems in our life. So many of us, we face circumstances that happen in our life, and then we get reminded of it, and it cripples us. We get to a point where maybe I can move on, and then something happens in our life, and it triggers those memories again, and we have that guttural reaction saying, I can't take another step. I have to stay here. But we're not meant to stay in Heron. God wants a promised land for us. He wants progress for us. Imagine if God didn't just say, yeah, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What if he wanted to say, I'm the God of Terah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? But because Terah stopped in Haran, let his problem stop him, put him to a screeching halt, he was never able to move on. Your promise doesn't have to be your end. It should be a starting point. The second step we have to take, so we've recognized, we've understood the problem, we've identified it, we're moving on. That second step is to recognize the potential. The next thing we have to do is recognize the potential. This is a story, the feeding the 5,000 is a story of two different perspectives from two different disciples. On one hand, you have Philip. He's, he's talking about the problem. Jesus, we have a problem. We don't have enough money. And Andrew is over here, overhearing what Philip is saying, overhearing what Jesus is saying, and he recognizes the potential in a little boy's lunch. Andrew knows. He is not ignorant. He knows this meal is not enough to feed everybody, but it's something. It's got potential. These loaves and fishes might be able to do something. To me, it's not much, but to Jesus, maybe it's something. Maybe it will work. I've got this lamp right here, and uh, this is not a special lamp. It's a pretty ordinary lamp. Uh, when we got it out of the package, it did not light up. Okay? Does not, doesn't do anything. We put a light bulb in it. It still doesn't shine. But what it is right now is full of potential. It has a purpose. It was designed to do something. But as it sits right now, it's not accomplishing its purpose. It only is full of potential. We understand as a lamp, hey, you should shine. But as it is right now, it never will. It's not until it gets connected to the right power source that it can become functional. And I wonder how many of us are full of potential, but we're not connected to the right power source. How many of us are full of potential? We are ready to shine. We are, we are built, designed, created, but we're not connected. For Andrew, he recognized these, this, this cheap little Lunchable can be used to impact these thousands of people. This little meal has the potential, if plugged into the right source, if put into the right hands, can be used. The Bible is full of potential that got connected to God's power source. The Bible's full of it. You look at David. He was just a shepherd boy until he got connected to the right power source, full of potential as a boy, but it wasn't until he stood tall in the midst of adversity, connected and prayed to God and threw in a slingshot that he was able to 
become a king. Moses, full of potential. Yeah, he had a stuttering problem. That didn't matter to God. Full of potential, connected to the right power source, led a nation out of captivity. Mary was just a teenager, but full of potential, ready to be used by God, would end up bringing the Savior of the world. I want you guys to look at a verse with me. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. I want you to keep that verse up there for just a second, Wayne, because I want you to look at it. His divine power. It doesn't say it's our power. It doesn't say that it's our knowledge. It doesn't say that it's our strength, our go-getiveness, our dedication. It doesn't say any of that stuff. What it says is that it's his power. His power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We are simply full of potential in need of connection to the power source. See, the miracle that happens when Jesus fed the 5,000, it took place in Jesus' hands. It didn't take place in the hands of other people. It took place in Jesus' hands. Before, before Jesus ever touched it, it was just a sack lunch. But when it touches Jesus' hands, suddenly the miracle can take place. So once we've identified the problem, we've moved on, we've recognized the potential, the next step, number three, is to fix our perspective. We have to fix our perspective. Let's go back to Philip for just a second. When Jesus asks him, where will we find bread for these people to eat? <laughs> Philip's response comes from a financial or logistical perspective. He's looking at this going, there's no way we can feed this many people with the money we've got. There's no way there's enough bread in this town to feed them. There's no way that we can make this happen. Practically, this cannot happen. But I believe Jesus, in that moment, this was more of a teaching moment for the disciples than it was for the crowd around them. I don't think the, the people far back, hundreds of feet away, listening to Jesus, had any idea they were actively part of a miracle that would, we'd be talking about in 2022. I think the disciples in that moment, though, when they got close to Jesus, they could see Jesus working in a way they hadn't seen before. Andrew realized, I've got this, I can give it to you. I think Jesus understood in that moment, I can change their perspective. Let me show you a picture real quick. This is a picture we're going to put on the screens of, of a son. And it's of a man who's just pinching the sun. Just a little pinch on the sun. It's amazing, right? This, this sun that warms the entire planet, this dude holding it in his fingers. How many of you guys legitimately believe this man is holding the sun? Anybody? Raise your hand if you think this is actually happening right now. If you're watching online, I'd love to know. Comment, let us know if you think he's holding the sun. Okay, nobody? Nobody in this room? Why? It's because the sun is 92 million miles away. The sun is also so big, you could fit 1.3 million planet Earths inside of it. So there's no way Jim Bob can fit the whole sun in his finger. But yet it looks like, this is not a Photoshop picture. How in the world does it look like that? The reason is because of perspective. Jim Bob, I don't know why I've named him Jim Bob, but Jim Bob, Jim Bob's hand is closer to him than the sun is. It's perspective. 
What you're closer to is bigger than things that are far away. So the point I want to make this morning, if your doubt feels bigger than your God, your God is not small, you're just further away from him. If your fear is smaller than your God, it's not that your God is small and your fear is bigger, it's that you may be closer to your fear than you are to God. The disciples in this moment were learning this lesson. It was perspective. People sitting in the bleachers, in the, in the grass, in the far back, they, they couldn't see the miracle. They thought they were just getting a, a free, oh, yeah, thank you, this is lunchtime. The disciples, on the other hand, knew the chaos that was happening in that moment when they're searching for food. And they got to see Jesus do something special up close. It was perspective. Whatever you're closer to is bigger than what is away from you. You can't change your circumstances, but you can change your perspective. You can't change what's happening to you. The problem we talked about, the thing you've already identified, you can't change that. What's happened to you has happened to you. But you can change your perspective and look at it as an opportunity for God to do something big in your life. So we've identified the problem. We've recognized the potential. We fixed the perspective. And now we have to move on to number four, to seek purpose, but not your purpose. We get so caught up at the beginning of this message, I mentioned how we are trying so hard to figure out what our purpose is. God, why am I on this planet? Why do we exist? What's the point? We are seeking purpose. Problem is, we are seeking our own purpose. And God is saying, your purpose isn't for you. See, our purpose is not for us. Our purpose is God's purpose. Our purpose is God's purpose. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 through 24 says this, whatever you do, whatever you do, going to work, raising kids, your side hustle, the projects you love doing, going to church, the things you watch online, the movie, everything, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord, not human masters. Since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. This last line, if you got a physical Bible, I just want you to underline it, highlight it. If you're taking notes on your phone or, or whatever, I want you to try to highlight it or type this, take a picture of the screen, whatever you want to do, because this last line, this is it. This is the ticket. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. We are not out here trying to figure out our own thing. We, we're not trying to figure out our purpose. What we should be doing is trying to figure out what is God's purpose and how can I fall in line with that? It's not my plans. It's God, well, how can I fit into your story? Louis Giglio, somebody I really admire as a communicator and pastor, he, he often says that, that he talks about the story of God being a soundtrack how we're part of the story, we're part of this soundtrack. And we are not the main lead vocal in this song. We are background vocals. We are instruments. We are just simply part of the orchestra that is Jesus and what he wants to do in this planet. 
in our lives. We simply have to do our part. Let's try to stay on time <laughs> and fall into what he wants for our lives. Last month, the last four weeks, Kevin has been doing a series or just wrapped up a series last week about deconstruction. If you missed a week or you didn't get to watch any of that, highly, highly, highly recommend you going back online on Facebook or YouTube and watching. Um, I'm usually not up here on stage. I'm usually behind a camera or monitoring the online service. And I can tell you this, that, that series last month had the highest retention of any series we've ever done. More people starting it and finishing it the entire way through than most other online services. Why? Because it's something I think all of us are trying to figure out. We're wanting to hear this. It's, we're desperate to know, teach us the difference between uh, deconstruction and discipleship. And one of the things that Kevin said in his message is that you want your God to be bigger than you can comprehend. I love that. It stuck with me every week. You want your God to be bigger than you are. Because if you can understand everything about your God, if you can take everything that God has, fit it into a book, put it on your coffee table and dissect it and understand it all, then that's not your God. Because if we can understand it, then how can his ways be higher than our ways? How can his thoughts be higher than our thoughts if we can understand it all? And I think the same thing applies to our purpose in our life. If we knew it all, then we would be running the show. If we knew our own purpose, if we knew everything there was to know, then why in the world would we need God to be in our corner? The truth is, God's ways, not like our ways. Our purpose is not our own. Our purpose is to walk in the love that he has for us, to trust him in all things and in all moments. We spend so much time trying to figure out purpose, we forget that our purpose is to pursue God's purpose, even if we don't understand it. The purpose in this story with the loaves and fishes and feeding 5,000, the purpose was not to feed bellies. It was not so thousands of people walked away from that teaching moment, went home and go, mm, that was a great meal, I'm full. It was not even to satisfy people in that moment to keep them around a little while longer while Jesus kept talking. The whole purpose in Jesus feeding the 5,000 comes down to that last verse we read. In verse 14, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely, surely this is the prophet who's come into the world. Surely this is the son of God. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else can do what he just did. That's the Messiah. This is the person we've been talking about. This is the king we've been waiting on for generations. It wasn't about a full belly. It was about people understanding the power of God, his plan for us, to walk in his purpose. So this morning, what I want to do is I just want everybody to just close your eyes for a moment. And wherever you're at this, this morning, I know one thing, we've all faced problems. We've all gone through circumstances that are difficult. We've all found ourselves at a crossroad wondering, how do I get from where I'm at right now to where God wants me to be? And I'm not naive to know that in this room, there's been a lot of people probably who have felt like you have hit a brick wall with your problems. There have been circumstances in your life that you get to, and it may be a heron situation in your life where you know you need to move on, but it is just crippling you 
every time you come to this circumstance. Maybe it's a loved one who passed away and every time you see a picture or hear their name or remember that moment, you can't get back up again. Maybe it's a moment in your life that you struggled with and it changed you deeply. It caused you not to trust people again. And every time you get close to trusting somebody, that thought creeps back up into your mind and it says you can't trust people, remember? And you can't move on from it. Whatever it is that you may be going through right now, what I want to do with nobody looking around, this is just a moment between you, God, myself, and prayer team. If you're in the room, I would love for you just to kind of be looking so we can be praying for people. But if you're here in this place this morning, you say, Craig, I'm, I'm, I'm at step one on that path. I'm in the problem stage. I know what the problem is, but I cannot seem to move on. I can't seem to take that next step and find and walk in the purpose that God has. If you're going through something right now, a problem, a situation, I would love for you just to slip up your hand. We're not going to ask you what it is. We're not going to be weird about it. I just want myself and the prayer team just want to know how, who we can be praying for. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Several people with hands up. Thank you for your, your, your honesty, your courage. I know that takes courage to do that, so thank you. I promise you, you're not alone. If you raised your hand, if you're watching online, we'd love to know how we can pray for you as well. This morning, just all across the room, let's just stand up together. We're gonna worship one more time. Before we do that, I'm gonna pray. Just stay in this moment with our eyes closed and just staying, staying close to God. Listen, if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you really wanted to, I want to challenge you, do not stay in Heron. Do not stay on step one, stuck in a problem. And God wants to do incredible things in your life. The Bible is full of moments where it says, knock and he'll answer, ask and it'll be given. But every one of those circumstances, just like in the verse we read a moment ago, every one of those circumstances though, it says it has to line up with his purpose and will for our lives. Some of you, maybe you're stuck in your problem and you are knocking. You're trying to beat down a door, trying to get a hold of God, but you're trying to get a hold of your own purpose instead of what God's purpose is. And that's why your door is not opening. The challenge I would give you if you raise your hand is to surrender. And it, it's gonna be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. It's maddening to the point where it feels like maybe you're not getting anywhere and you're always gonna be stuck here, but I promise you God has a bigger plan. God wants to feed the 5,000. He wants the blind eyes to see in your life. He wants miracles to happen, but it starts now. It starts today. It starts with a moment of surrender. So Jesus, every person in this room who raised a hand, every person who didn't but needed to, every person, God, who can hear my voice right now, if we're not going through it right now, there's gonna come a day when we do. Problems are gonna happen. Trouble is gonna come. But we can take heart because you have overcome the world. You've overcome every problem we, we, we can ever face. You have overcome every circumstance we could ever get near to. 
Nothing has surprised you. The circumstance we may find ourselves in right now, it's not a shock to your system. You weren't surprised. You didn't wake up this morning and go, oh, I didn't see that coming. You have it all in your hand. So God, teach us, every person who raised a hand, teach us how to move on. Put people around us who will hold our hands and if need be, kick us and push us in the right direction even when we don't want to move. Give us the strength to move on even when we get to a heron where it feels like we cannot move and we're crippled by fear and anxiety. God, put people around us. God, give us the strength and courage to move on to the next step. Help us understand the potential that lies inside of our own hearts, the potential that lies in the people around us. Give us a new perspective on what you can do. Do not let our fear, anxiety, and doubt, God, be the closest thing to us. But God, push it far away so that becomes the smallest thing that we see. And all we see is you in front of us. Help us walk in our purpose because our purpose is your purpose. In Jesus' name.